Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. It is Redman Radio, the Liverpool podcast from me, Paul Machen, and this man right here, Mr. Christopher Pager. Thank you very much. I missed the blood red on Twitter if you want to give us a follow. Mm, yeah, by all means. Um, some people actually prefer to know you by that name. Apparently so. Even your friends. Apparently so. <laughs> Mention it, no name. Dickie Hawkins. Um... <laughs> Kickoff question this week comes from Natural Red, Ooh. Natural underscore Red underscore LFC. If you had to pick one Liverpool player to be the best man at your wedding, who would it be and why? James Milner. Uh, safe pair of hands. Safe pair of hands, first and foremost. Uh-huh. Not going to run off with the wife. Okay. Second, not going to cost me a lot of money in alcohol. Just a bit of bottle of Ribena. Oh, wow. Sorted. So I, I, I considered him for different reasons and it was... Well, the, the safe pair of hands thing, because there's a balancing act with the best man. So I've been, I've seen, I've been to a number of weddings and I've seen a number of best men. I've seen the archetypal best man, and it wasn't you, which I think the odds would have would have would have had stacked heavily in that favour of the guy who gets so drunk that he basically can't can't string three words together by the time he gets to his speech. I've seen that happen, and it's an absolute fucking car crash. Um, so obviously there is there is that. So I don't want you don't you not maybe maybe you're looking for that, but in this instance. I'm not, no. You're looking for a guy who, who can get up, he's trustworthy, he's not going to say anything too blue. You know, you've got the grandparents and all that kind of stuff there. But he also is quite funny, but not, like, hilariously funny. So he's got, I think he's got dad-parent humour kind of thing down, which is all you really need at a, at a wedding. You don't need, you don't need Billicks getting up yeah. and delivering a scathing assault on, you know, on, on, on modern culture. You need someone to get up and make a, a few real, a few lowest common denominator gags and, and get out. Um, and obviously... I I also get the impression that he's the kind of guy who would remember to hit all the marks that you meant to hit in terms of who you thank and all that. Like so, I agree. I think James Milner would be a spectacularly good best man. Who would be the worst best man? Do you think? Dejan. Wow. Why? I just think he'd he'd big you up to the point where you're just lying now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deliver on these promises. <laughs> yeah. Will you back in? He's going to be the best husband <laughs> in the world. They said, "I'm not. I'm not. Honestly, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to be above average at very best." By the end of this season, he'll have taken you to New York, the Champions <laughs> League <laughs> final. You'll have a Premier League in your back pocket. They said, "I can't even afford a caravan in Skegness, mate." Will you just wind it in? Like you just. Uh, no, that's a good shout. It's a very, very good shout. Mignolet for me. Yeah, uh, we dig Mignolet a lot on this podcast. I don't mean to. I, I've got no problem. Genuinely, no problem with Mignolet. Doesn't like kids. No, what? What? He doesn't like kids. Doesn't like my kid. Mignolet doesn't like kids. My kid. What? Well, 
Why does it what? Well, when I was sat in Costa and we had the baby when Robin was young, me and Kat were there, we were having a nice coffee, came and sat down, the baby whinged once, not even a big whinge, and he was like, we've got to get up and move somewhere else and just move somewhere else, and that's why... I've told you this many times. Yeah, but it was a Mignolet story, so <laughs> completely gone out of my head. Um, Mignolet, because I've also been at weddings where speeches just go on and on and on. And I, you know, as much as like the, the boring Milner character, it's a character. That's how Mignolet is in interviews. Yeah. We call him the safest pair of hands in an interview sense. I've spoken which to is, people, professionals. Which is, you know, quite strange. <laughs> massively ironic. Like, um, yeah, because he, 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 he just says nothing of interest generally. So it's like you get given Mignolet and the interviews just go, that's it, brilliant. There you go. There's 20 minutes of my life. I'm not getting back. Um, so yeah, uh, let us know who you would have as your best man. Maybe you're a different kind of personality. I think Bobby Firmino, if you're that kind of way inclined, would be a phenomenal best man to have. Again, you don't. Your, really, your stag do would be. Your stag do would be mad. quality. Yeah. But you don't really want to be, you know, showing up on the dance floor either by your best man. And and you know, Bobby's gonna really do that to you, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know. We yeah. are we are we're pretty good dancers, Chris. I don't so too. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, we used to have the dances. We've down. got tremendous natural rhythm. I'm just I saying. I think so too. Um, news: uh, Oxley Chamberlain has been added to Liverpool's Champions League squad. <laughs> to be expected, I guess, because we know he's well back on the fitness one. But another one of those, another piece of Alex Oxley Chamberlain news that's put a smile on my face. Hey, listen, and and you know it's great, and he can play right wing back, which means he can play right back when we need him to. Yes. So sound. Yeah. And who knows? That happens to happen. Like, we, players go out, we change formation, they end up playing in mad positions anyway. I'm not keen on this, like, it's all right, because he can play right wing really well. Can he? Is he, is he a brilliant right wing? I don't think he's as good a right wing as people remember, but... I don't think he was good last season in the right wing. No, you know, no. he got pushed there in games, didn't he? And I always felt like, we're not seeing the best Oxley chamberlain never mind the best side because yeah. of that. But, um... It is. He is a better option there than most of the other options that we have at the club. It's better think, than Lallana. That's fair. Put Lallana on right wing. I'd, mate, I'd rather have Alex on the left than the right. Mm. To be honest with you, yeah. I, mean, I think you know, especially the way that Mane's been playing it over the last sort of, let's say, twelve months. Yeah. You know that cutting inside, getting into that number ten position more from the right, from the left hand side and stuff. I think that Ox could could do that and excel. You know, I think the times when we used them on the right wing was more to get. Salah up front mm-hmm. last season yeah. I think we've already found a way of doing that yeah. now I think Shaqiri on one side Ox on the other Firmino if you wanted to rest Mane is a decent shout yeah no I think very very good indeed and again another big boost going into the Champions League because we're we're going to and obviously we're going to talk about the West Ham game we're going to talk about this blip that Liverpool are currently in we're hoping is a blip and not like a, a bloop which is a slightly longer way of saying that um, so what Bournemouth is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about all those things in due course. But yeah, I, we've we've been playing like one game a week. You know what I mean? And we've got we've had a, a, a little run of less games when the Champions League come back again. That's when the season really kicks on. And knowing that you've got the option to bring Chamberlain, even you know, even if it look, he might not get a single minute of action in the Champions League this season because you know you're probably looking at like certainly quarters. More likely semis before you get him back to match a real match useful fitness. So, um, but again, I love that there's a potential story being written there. Whether we'll get to see it, I really don't know. But you know, given how how heartbreaking it was to to, to lose him in the quarterfinals, you think that we could well have a situation where he could 
he could come back into the team and be that extra impetus, I think, is it? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, he's a guy I think every Liverpool fan's just excited to see back in the side. And whether that's Champions League or Premier League, I'm not arsed mm. either way. But when you, as you say there, when it comes back to two games a week, we'll need to use the squad. I think, you know, in some ways we've been very lucky this season in that when the squad has been stretched thin like it is now, has actually been the time when it's best for us to be stretched thin. I think if we'd have had this little blip in December, mm-hmm. let's say, in dipping form with the injuries that we've got, that you know, we could have been out the title race. Yeah. You know, never mind all this talk at the moment, like we're, we're bottling on stuff, which I disagree with anyway, and I'm sure we'll talk about later. Alex Oxley James is a big player and he'll be a big boost, but not only will it be a boost for the fans, it'll be a boost for the t- side because I think they've missed him. Yeah. Not, no side was made worse by having more talented, pacey players. Available to it, so yeah, more the better. And um, Paul Ince has compared Virgil Van Dijk's impact to Man United signing Eric Cantona, um, which I mean, initially going well, they play completely different positions. But the point he makes was when Cantona came in, he was this big fella, big stature, massive on quality, and the lift that he clearly he, he clearly elevated the quality of the side. And he goes and he talks about how you could maybe say that about Allison as well, but for him, Van Dijk was the one that stood out. And I think it's a really interesting, a really interesting one, isn't it? Because it's not something I'd really thought about in that regard but Cantona was the catalyst that changed Man United from being nearly men into being you know a, a, the dominant force in England yeah Van Dijk certainly got that about him it's probably too early to say right now isn't it I think you know we first of all we need to put some silverware on the sideboard as as, as a former man could actually say thinking about mm. it um, he's, he's certainly got that and he's got He's got that a bit that mad ability that only certain players have of making everybody else better, mm-hmm. and Cantona did that. Cantona did that through his play. Did it through uh, injecting confidence into the players that he played with. Van Dijk has that in bucket loads. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think we will talk about him as being one of the all-time best signings Liverpool have ever had. And Liverpool have had some great signings over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I realised it uh, last night when we were watching the, the West Ham United game. Not loads of nice things about that game, but it was brought, Andy Carroll's brought onto the pitch and it's, oh, he's formerly Liverpool's record signing. He held that for a, quite a while. And the fact that it's like now dwarfed by Virgil van Dijk. And I just... It tells you how far we've come. And that's the, that's the level that we're, we're, you know, where we're at now that... We're spending big money. We're spending big money well, and we're buying players. Virgil Van Dijk is a pure Man United player. He's like, you know, like like that. Man United got used to go out and buy whatever it took to make them winners. There was no. Here's the model by which we all of our signings need to conform. There might have been a general overarching model, but if they needed to go and get a footballer. They went and got that footballer, and you know, no questions asked. And sometimes yeah. it was mistake. They made a mistake. You know, you got your Juan Verons for every for every Eric Cantona, but um, you know that he's of that elite quality that we haven't seen as Liverpool do that really in our time as no. Uh, I think being I can think of you know Rio Ferdinand sticks out as a centre back mm. in, in a, you know in a similar mould, and he'd not long had a big money move to Leeds at the time as well, and I think he was the record. Well, record defender time. then, mm. and then obviously for Manchester United as well. Then you think of players like Yap Stam and but other older players like Van Persie who came in and essentially handed them the title yeah. because of the goals that he scored. It didn't mm. matter to them that he was 29 approaching 30 yeah. and they, he was from a rival. That would be like 
Nah, Liverpool wouldn't do that. And I still don't think they'd do that now either, mm. to be honest with you. But Van Dijk certainly is. It's a guy that we waited for, a guy that we knew we were going to have to spend a lot of money on, but a guy ultimately that we trusted to make everybody better, and he's delivering right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Liverpool have been linked with a £60 million-ish bid for Lorenzo Insigne. This comes by, I did this in the, the news show this week, but it comes by a sport witness via some other gang of idiots. Um, this seems highly unlikely to me, uh, but... You know, he's you know we talk about buying ready-made players and a, a, you know a big value and all that. I think he's got a hundred and forty something release clause, which Liverpool are never going to meet for. That. I think he's twenty-seven years old, but he's got the goal return. He can play across the front three in a world where he you know again if he wasn't a, a dad in the wall Napoli boy, that. This feels like a very un-Liverpool sign, but equally we've just talked about how Liverpool have gone out and spent big money on, on, on ready-made players when it needs to be. We would be a much better squad for having a Lorenzo. And oh, absolutely. Um, it doesn't feel like something that Liverpool do. I always get a little bit nervous about signing Italian forwards, and mm. I think I think you're the same. I think you, we've seen so many come over, and not just Italian, people who've played in the Italian yeah. league. Like Shevchenko wasn't the same player. Yeah. Admittedly, he was much older when he came across and stuff like that. So I always get a little bit nervous about that, and I don't really like to see players link but he's a good player yeah. he's clearly a top draw player he's on course for like 20 goals this season you know predominantly as a, as a, as a forward as opposed to he's not like a lead the line centre forward kind of thing like so his numbers are there you know we always used to say we used to make a big deal about getting 10 goals and Serie A being a good return he's going to do a lot better he's going to be able to do a lot better than that he's got quality we've seen it first hand um, but you're right I'm, I'm the same on that I, I think it takes the pace difference between the leagues is staggering and it always has been it's very rare and I can't think of many examples off the top of my head and maybe people will be able to correct me in the comments um I mean I know Higuain's just you know just hit the ground running but we'll see how how long he's able to run for given that wonderful physique of his um you know so that we do see it's not like Serie A forwards don't score goals or anything Viali had a, had a decent enough career etc etc Zola probably Zola's probably the the prime example of someone whose career actually went up I'm not sure he had, you know, he had a, he still had to continue to have an elite level career from joining from from Serie A, but um, yeah, not Ravanelli, not many. Ravanelli did it, yeah, in a crap side as well, yeah, yeah, to yeah. be fair to yeah. him. Like, um, other than that, you, for every for every Ravanelli, there's ten Mutus mm. and Marattas and stuff that just don't seem to have worked though, and, th- and there are loads of them. Yeah. Um, I, I, the the thing that interests me and and why actually I think sometimes it. It might suit Liverpool to go for that type of a player now, and why it probably never suited us in the past. Because I think the way that we played, let's say, just compared last season to this season, and the way that we were more quick counter attacking last season, now we're, we're very much it's about movement and finding space. That's one thing that Italian strikers do incredibly well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing that I think Harry Kane does really well. Yeah. I think a team that dominates possession like that can actually get a tune out of a lad who. It's just very good at making good yeah. runs, and you might not need that pace. And mm. I wonder if, if we are linked with somebody like that, I wonder if that's why. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a very, very interesting thought indeed. Um, Sammy Hippier has signed up for the Liverpool Legends, uh, the upcoming Milan Legends game at Anfield. Fine, absolutely fine. I mean, it, it, it did this Hippier returns to Liverpool headline, and I thought this is a news now special here. And then no, it turned out it was actually the headline that they used on the official Liverpool website. <laughs> You're not the echo, LiverpoolFC.com, and you're not Reed Liverpool FC. Back it in. Uh, 
<laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, great. I mean, be good to see Sammy, Sammy in action again, of course. But no shock here. I mean, I, I, I thought I promised like he's coming back to the coaching staff. Absolutely fantastic. So I actually was, in, I was more disappointed with this news than I was than I was made up, unfortunately. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, right, stay. Um, of the wonderful readliverpoolfc.com. Uh, we'll be in doing the Reds News Roundup show on Wednesday this week. We're actually over watching the, Le- the Legends train ahead of this game uh, and then still be in to record a show afterwards. So we'll be talking about this stuff in a bit more depth and detail, probably analysing what went, what went right and wrong in the transfer window and then giving up to all kinds of other wonderful shenanigans. So uh, get on the redmentv.com for that one. Uh, okay, Chris, West Ham, we've talked around it long enough. I, I woke up. Tuesday morning and I'll be perfectly honest I could have swerved this entire week just I my head wasn't in the right place over all the Liverpool stuff to be honest I, I left in I, I did my match reactions and I, I had a reasonable handle I didn't feel too bad with it but the weight of all the stuff around it is is doing my head in at the moment and um, I'm not sure that it should be as much as much as it is no it shouldn't Um but it's because you want it. Oh. It's because we all want it so bad. And we live in a world, and we often talk about 24-hour news cycles and stuff. And I was talking about this to someone on Sunday, actually. Uh, and it was an Everton fan that I'd met for the first time, Michael Bell, um, FIFA gamer. And I was talking to him, and, he, and I was saying, I was explaining like how Barry and Ped are feeling about Everton and stuff at the moment. And I think a lot, of, a lot of teams feel, and fan bases feel a bit like this at this time of the mm-hmm. year. A lot of fan bases... Uh, are not as fortunate as we are, and uh, the season's over, and Everton's one of them. Um, and you know, you can talk about name. You can name ten clubs in the league that the season's over or only going to get worse. I mean, and, and they could go down and stuff. And one of the things that I thought about was like this patience and and having the ability to be able to ride it out. And so, say, let's let's talk about Everton for a minute if you don't mind and like they clearly need a manager to be in situ with a direct a director of football for maybe three years yeah. four years and they need to ride that out because I think they've changed manager what four times in the last few years something yeah. like that they've had Walsh there last year as the director of football they've got Brands trying to sort out Walsh's errors Walsh was probably trying to sort out somebody else's errors and Liverpool have had that stability for a few years now since we got Jürgen Klopp in and Edwards is starting to do a good job and I think everybody's recognising that. And, and, and I'll bring it back to the 24-hour news cycle. When you're playing one game a week and you're getting beat every weekend mm-hmm. or you're drawing like we did this week, everybody is so used to filling their life with stuff that they care about now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things for me is, and, and a lot of Liverpool fans, they just care about Liverpool Football Club. Yeah. You read everything, you watch everything, you listen to everything. Mm-hmm. That's a big seven days to fill the void. Yeah. Yeah. You know, It used to be that you'd get a couple of pages on the back of the Echo, three pages maybe a day, mm-hmm. and that would be it. Yeah. Maybe three articles for, for and then the next day. And then you get the pink on the Saturday and you'd, you'd, uh, you'd read it all. I do probably what I used to read about Liverpool in an hour or two <laughs> in the morning now. Yeah. And then I'm listening and watching and all this type of stuff. So it just it's kind of it's kind of extended the gap between games in my head. Yeah. So that everything just moves so slowly. So when when you get a draw and you talk about it for three days and you're analysing it for three days, by the time you start previewing the next game, 
you're done. Yeah. You're like, I can't. We, we only do one game yet. I've thought about it for the last 72 hours straight. Yeah. We, I, I think what exacerbates all of this, and it's a shift in culture as well. Um, we got a actually, we, you know what? We got a question, and I will, I will, I was going to save this for the end, but I think it fits in here from Jason Mundcore on Twitter. Uh, he said, "Do you consider it fair for older fans to get annoyed at younger fans for not being patient enough when they've never seen the team lift silverware?" And I think that's an issue. That's a thing. I'll, I'll, I'll try and come back to that. But again, so when we when we were growing up watching watching football, you didn't interact with fans of other teams. You didn't know no. fans from other teams. You knew some Evertonians. You know that that was it. And and to be, I'll be perfectly honest. I got asked this question the other day in, in an interview. There was like one Evertonian in my junior school of like three hundred kids or something. There was like one Evertonian, and he was he was weird. So it, you know you you didn't really have any inter. You wouldn't speak to him anyway. So you wouldn't have any interaction with Evertonians at all for the first eleven years of my life. Pretty much, I didn't even speak to an Evertonian. So when, I, but then you'd have them, you exist with them, and it wasn't really then until I went to uni that I actually met face to face fans of other footy teams. Periodically, you'd meet one or two, but it'd be in the context of your own city, so people wouldn't come in and be bellends. Um, you know, working behind bars, I met like people, met a couple of Villa fans and a couple of pieces and bits and bits and pieces and what have you. But even then, face to face, all the conversations, like conversations I largely had with fans of other football were all positive because you were your face to face. You shared your love of that. Uh, face to face is different yeah, as well. I went to uni, and that was our shared bond from across the country. No matter where you came from, that was your shared bond. Your shared bond was footy. It always happens at party, random parties. You'd end up in a group of fellas talking about football. And the problem is now is that. That you, you used to kind of respect it. it was fascinating to get other people's opinions because you didn't have an opinion on their football club because you never think about their football club why You'd would you watch it on match of the day there wasn't as many games on the TV you or anything you knew they're good players and you could say to them God how good is such and such that you've got you wouldn't be like e, you know e shit or e, you wouldn't have anything bad to say about their club apart from your rivals may where you would dig a little bit deeper of course but now you're constantly exposed to these things and being constantly exposed to other fan bases constantly exposes the delusion behind your own support because we can't all be by far the greatest team the world's ever seen. you know. And yet we all sick every single football club sings it, you know what I mean? And I think that's a massive weight on a younger generation of fans these days is that, and I feel it too, and I'm, I'm 36 years old and that's what's turning me off it at the moment is because the negativity, whether it's from our own fans or from our Outside, or mainly our, our fans being wound up by a lot of this outside pressure is weighing is, is weighing me down, and that's why I feel I feel massively. But to to kind of start to answer Jason's question here, I get annoyed by younger fans not being patient if they're being guided by older fans. Like it's like because if my if I turn around, I said turn around to be dad and talk about the stress prior to West Ham, by the way, and he, he kind of was like, "What are you talking about, Paul?" We're top of the league. We've only lost one game this season. And it wasn't even a, a, a debate or a long conversation. That was full stop, done. And I was like, oh God, he's right. What am I whinging about? And that, you yeah. know what I mean? That helped to, that helped to, 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 to calm me down, at least until the West Ham game. There's, there's another thing at play here. It's a di- they're different generations, and generations of people are different. Mm. So, for example, I can pretty much guarantee, yeah, that my great-great-great-granddad was a racist. <laughs> right? No, I think it's probably fair to say. Okay. Um, okay. That's what those people of that generation would say. And not, I'm not saying he was like. I mean, you've just totally, you've just totally thrown your great great granddad under the bus there. Mate. But, uh, yeah. Well, I never bet him, so it's fine. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, you, you meet people in your life who are older than you who'd say things and you're like, you can't say that, you know what I mean? And and, and people have said stuff like that that I think everybody said. I get, do that to you every week. Getting, yeah, true. <laughs> but, but then you're getting annoyed at the younger generation for being less patient. I think they naturally are mm. because of all the things that they have grown up with. Yeah. Their, atten- their attention span is shorter than ours. Yeah. And so... I, can you get annoyed that your great 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 granddad for something that was built into his life socially because of where he grew up, how he grew up, and all this type of stuff? And can you get annoyed at a young person for being less patient than you are when it's scientifically proven that they don't have that? Yeah, no, it's a very good point. It is a very good point. I think there's a there's a there's a there's a happy balance in this so much as if it's in the here and now, things can be affected. I think is the is the is the is the the, the pulling it back to some extent on that one because you're right people do have a short attention span and people are so used to this this is their fo- This is their game there's no football for old men unfortunately like you know what I mean that's the way it goes Nobody, everyone always thinks the generation before them was so much better and so much cooler whereas when you were in it it wasn't really it was just what it just was what it was um, you know it'll be there's people now who, who will, the people now who are losing their heads over it I've got no can't even begin to fathom how much people who are half your age are going to do your head in 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 fifteen to twenty years time, and I can't, I won't even be able to go near it. Football will be will not be even recognisable to me probably at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's it's all part and parcel of this thing. Though that a lot of what I've been saying to, in today in a couple of different different places is patience is I think a very patience is a virtue, but it's a but it, it's a league season. You can't not have patience because. It, it starts in August and it ends in May. So it, if it was a race, you wouldn't judge a race. You know, it was, it was like you're watching 100 metres, you wouldn't necessarily judge... Well, I mean, you know, it's over a lot quicker, but you wouldn't judge a race necessarily by the middle unless you were clearly and utterly... Unless you fell over well, as, you, as you were starting. Provided you're still in it, you're still it. That kind of thing. And I think because football, you're right, because of this news cycle and because it's so constant, and because we're, we are being told to judge football this way... People are judging it this way, and you just think of Sky. Yeah, you know they're, they're constantly promoting the next big game. Yeah. you know, and it's just it's a never-ending cycle of this is the biggest game you've ever been to. This is the biggest but, game we've ever had on Sky, and then as soon as you're in the middle of that game, the, the game's not even over, and they're telling you that the biggest game on Sky is next weekend. They try, they're trying to, they. It's not even that because that. I mean, that's. That the games always go on. It's how it's the you're right. It is the upselling of it, and it's they have to make the stories. They have to make they have to dramatize it. They have to yeah. make it like the wrestling because yeah. they have to make you want to tune in to find out what happens in the next part. What's the story? Well, it's far more interesting that Liverpool are in the middle of a crisis that Liverpool are throwing it away than. Sorry, Liverpool just lost two. Liverpool just sorry, not even lost by the way. Liverpool just drew a couple of games against sides that we've lost to in the past. And we've drawn against in the past, and we've beaten in the past. That, that, there's no, there's no wider footballing interest in that because that's not the their wider job is to stoke every fucker up. Whereas within a Liverpool, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I think I'm probably less wound up by that because I can appreciate that because you've but, had twenty years. Of it. Well, yeah, but it's all, but what I'm not, what I think is what I'm finding hard is how that's pervading into the mentalities of of our of our fan base. I think we're being too affected by it, and we, I get it, we're susceptible. Because this means so much. This means so much to us this season that everything feels like it's on a knife edge. But you see that Andy Robertson post-match interview? No. It's on our Twitter account anyway. I recommend people go and have a look. But he just said, like, 
it's a it's a blip. You know, we've got to get we've got to get back on it, but we've got to enjoy it. There's a lot of teams who'd like to be in our position. Us included, by the way. Us included. I think we lose sight of that because I think there's a temptation because we've got this, got to have it now. Things can be undone. You can now delete your text. You know, we, you sent a text message. It was gone. And you had to deal with the fucking consequences. You'd said something unconscionable or something stupid. Now you can delete them. You can pull them back from the ether on like WhatsApp and what have you. People feel that things can be undone or, or, or go to recriminations about um, making changes. What could, have, what could have done? What could have been done differently? There's a, there's a degree to which that's useful in analysis and in, in, in you know and being able to look back on things and you know as a whole you know analyzing a match or analyzing a spell against or a season or what have you but there's times when it's just absolutely empty noise it's just you you're a big fan of like like Twitter like the screaming into the abyss kind of thing like you know the the narcissistic echo, echo chamber, chamber. Um, it serves no great purpose Liverpool missed out I've missed out on a couple of opportunities to massively extend the lead Man City did it too. Right, listen to this. So this is a tweet I retweeted uh, from uh, a, a massive red called Steve Davis. And I've, I've actually used this on a show on the website. Perception's a funny thing in football, isn't it? In the last 10 games, City have dropped 12 points and we've dropped 7. City have lost to three of the teams outside the top six. We've drawn against two of them. Yet Liverpool are perceived as the ones bottling it and blowing it. It's unquestionable that our performances have dropped off since 2019 started, but there's always going to be bad spells in a season. If, and it's a big if, we can play ourselves back into form quickly, we're still in a great position. We'll drop points, City will do too, undoubtedly. In the last two games... If the last two games were dotted across the season and the league looked as it does now, nobody would be flinching. Yeah. But perception and performances magnify the nerves. Let's get to Anfield on Saturday. No nerves in the sand. Let's be confident. Hope that transfers to the pitch. A good solid win on Saturday, especially if City drop points in the next two games and that perception can change again. This was never going to be easy. We're Liverpool and we never do it the easy way. But that doesn't mean we don't ever do it. Keep the faith, Reds. And it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Because just look how many wins we've had yeah. and how many draws and how yeah. many losses. You know, it shouldn't it just be Track. It's that simple. It's a 38-game season. Yeah. Now, and if we capitulate, we capitulate. Yeah. You know what? That's fine. It's, I mean, not, it's, not, it's not. We'll it's deal not with fine, that when we get But we'll there. deal with that. Yeah. We haven't capitulated. Yeah. We've drawn two games of football back to back. When we've had an injury crisis, when we've not been at our best, and when crucially, I think a few players that uh, played even have been playing ill. Yeah. Yeah. James absolutely. Milner played ill. Yeah. Exactly. Van Dijk's just come back. There's like we. we that's a, it, it's hard, It's that was a makeshift side and. It's not my job to to analyse, over-analyse West Ham because they've had injury problems too. That's that's absolutely fair to say as well. But, you know, in terms of... When those games... I think I said this on the final word. When, when it's easier to set up a, a second string team to defend for your, to defend for your lives, and I'm not saying they totally did that because they did cause us problems going the other way. But largely, they got a lot of men behind the ball and they looked at, they defended re- pretty resolutely. To be the team that where the onus is on you... The more you strip away first-team footballers and the more you strip away that cohesion of having played games together, the, the, the less quality you're going to have on the pitch. That's a that's an absolute fact. That's a, and So it's not it's not comparable in, in that regard because in order for us to play the brand of football that we need to play to be an elite team, you've got to have as many of your good players playing together on, on the pitch as possible. So I think what was encouraging for me just on, on the game, Chris, I think um, Adam Lallana, he, he, was, he was up there to be... I mean, he has been the scapegoat for a while, but he was up there to be it, to be public enemy number one. The second that team news came out, because he's he's the player in the squad that I think everyone perceives as being the weak the weak link, pretty much. Um, I thought he had a good game. I thought you know the, the build up to the first goal, albeit he passes it to an offside Milner, not his fault. Um, 
I think it's it's good to see no one really asked about Lalana today. I think it showed that I'm not sure how many games he's going to play, how many minutes he's going to get, but it showed that he's not like we we knew this, we know this because he's been good for us before. He's a good footballer there, and he and he it made me feel a bit more relaxed about situations where if we do need to use Adam Lallana, he knows that he's still got it and we know that he's still got Listen, it. Listen, he's not started many games at all. It's his first start since like October or something. So you're talking about judging a player on one start after, how long has he not been playing for Liverpool yeah. for? Really? Two years. Right. So one pl- a player comes back in after a two-year break and puts in a performance like that and you're like, okay, that's, that's not... His finished product when he's match fit, Adam Lallana performance. Yeah. That's him coming back off nearly two years of not playing football and mm-hmm. putting in a good, decent performance. I don't think he was great. I don't think he set the world alight. But as a starting point for a player who's not played, yeah, you can build on that. Yeah. Absolutely, you can build on that. It comes back to all these things. Cause like Cater's a similar one for me. I don't think he had a great game. I think some people think he was boss and some people think he was terrible. And this is what this is. You tend to have these like. This is where arguments go. I, I put the tweet up before. I said the people on Twitter are either Tiggers or yours, aren't they? You're either super, super, super positive or you're just utterly miserable. And often things don't, things exist somewhere in between in between that. And like Cater, I thought, showed more spells of what he can actually do in this game than I think he has done in other games. But he threw there were long spells and I thought, oh God, he's having a bit of a, a bit of a bad game. And for me, it was as simple as he played at a five first half and he played at a seven second half yeah. and he split them a difference yeah. and gave him, I give him a six. Am I shaking the table? <laughs> <Not just, laughs> like, like, I can't help it, man. I always do it. Like, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know what? Like, players, players don't have to be tens or ones. They, yeah. There is a difference. And, you know, I thought Bobby Fino had a good first half. I thought he was shit second half. Yeah. It's just the way that it goes sometimes. Yeah. And Naby Keita, for me, showcased what he can bring to us. The big difference for me over the West Ham game, I wasn't on the final word, so I've not really spoken to you about it. I think we're missing Trent more than anything. Mm. To be honest with you, I think that creativity from that right-hand side that Trent offers us, that outlet, that ability to get up and down the wing all the time, yeah. that's what we're missing at the moment. And I looked at it actually for the Stats and Tactics show, Paul, and I analysed it and I looked back at some of what Trent was doing earlier on in the season and on what James Milner was doing. And what I found really interesting is the stats disagreed with me. Yeah, I pulled a game where Trent played against Brighton in his last game against this one. Milner's comes out better on the stats. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the I looked at the tape and the film as well, and I thought James Milner did an outstanding... He did neither of those things. He needed to look at the tape, not a film. I, I streamed it. Um, <laughs> and then I looked at James Milner and his performance on the whole, and I'll tell you this, for the first 60 minutes, he was doing everything that Trent Alexander-Arnold does. Yeah. The, the, the issue was... And I only found out after I'd recorded this that he was ill, or right at the end, actually, Tom told me, is that... He tired badly. Yeah. And that's a that's a guy who's nearly 32, is he? Mm. 31, 32 years old, getting compared to a 19, 20-year-old doing a job that he's not doing, he's not not supposed to be yeah. doing. So of course Trent's gonna be fitter. Yeah. Of course Trent's gonna be able to do that, especially when James Milner's ill. But the thing for me, because we I don't know what Sean mentioned on, there's always gotta be something that's the that's the thing. I thought it was the final word, Sean. And I said how two months ago it was Buvach. It was not having Buvach was the reason why we weren't we weren't great. Not and having Buvach is the reason we were top of the league. Yeah, shit and the reason why we're shit now, shit now, um, top of the I league. Lost one game, game league game this season. It's Klein. Now, 
No, 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 but people, I've seen people go on. We could talk this through. I know, I know. But the Milner stuff's interesting because you're absolutely fucking spot on. James Milner playing in that game last night was not the reason why Liverpool didn't win, didn't win the game because James Milner was doing the stuff that you're meant to do as a Liverpool right back. I saw James Milner crossing the halfway line. I saw him getting the ball out wide. I saw him overloading, overlapping, and getting crosses into the box. That's. I'm simplifying it, but that's the fundamentals of that. Of that, and he's much better in those positions than Nathaniel Klein is in, is in his wildest dreams. We didn't need we didn't need a Nathaniel Klein right back in that game. We didn't. We might need one at Old Trafford, and that's a different. You know, let's cross that bridge when we get there. Of course, we might need one away in Munich. You know what I mean? We've made that decision. That's that's our cross the bears. No, there's no point crying about it because it's done. You know, and it's all these things. That, Milner's an absolutely fine deputy, but there has to be something, doesn't there? And instead, and it, why does it always have to be an individual player or it's a decision? It's like it's like I think people forget how complicated a game football is. I know Shankly, the Shankleyism is like just a bunch of fellas walking around kicking a ball, whatever. Yeah, it is, but there's a there's a there's a lot more to it these days than that, of course. And I I think the the reason why Liverpool didn't win that game was and you touched upon it before. Virgil van Dijk's still recovering from illness. So he's not he's not fully fit and he's absolutely pivotal to how we defend. Joel Matip is not that good. He's fine. He's an absolutely fine deputy. You can get away with one you can get away with having one of our He's our four true centre half. Exactly. You can get away with having one of them, I think, maybe two. Maybe two in the right circumstances against the right opponents of lads who are who are third or third choice or below. And of our back four, we had a four-choice centre-half and a third-choice right-back, and then our midfield three who'd never played together. Uh, you know, so... Uh, and it, a front three, you've not played with that midfield three? Exactly. And, and I actually think the front three played completely differently to how we saw them play last year as well. Mm. You know, I felt Firmino was playing much more of the role that he's been playing. And I think he was dropping vertically more than the horizontal movements that he used to make last season. And I wondered whether that was a conscious thing or whether that was just him sort of being used to how he's been playing this yeah. season. People will harp back for the days of last season when we were snotting teams. I, I, I'll i harp back to three months ago when we won eight games in December, you know what I mean, when we hardly conceded a goal. And this season, people seem to have forgotten, was built on the defence. Yeah. And the defence is worth hurting right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, this season hasn't been built on the attack, scoring seven goals in a game of football. Hasn't happened this season. Happened last season a couple of times. Yeah. We're a different side now to we are then. But we weren't anywhere near top of the table last season. Yeah. And we had a good run in the Champions League. We're having a good run in the Champions League. And I may be proved wrong. We might get knocked out in the next stage. But I tell you what, would I swap last season for this season? If you ask me to do it again? At the at the points we were in this in oh, the, yeah. that season? Yeah. No. I'll take this season all day. Yeah. Because we're top of the frigging table, Paul. Yeah. And because we're still in the Champions League. Yeah. And we were probably Fifth or fourth last season at this point, yeah, with no chance of a Premier well, League title. Last year we went, in, we were, yeah, we were nowhere near the league. Yeah, people enjoyed had, it loads more. Yeah, but we had Porto on the horizon, and we all thought that's going to be a really, really tough game. And none of us had expectations to get much further than the round of sixteen. It would have been a night. We said, get out if you can get past the sixteen, enjoy every game that comes. So you wouldn't have gambled. You know, at this point you wouldn't have. Got, you'd have swapped this all day every day and at this point now we're top of the league and we've got Bayern Munich and we think we can beat them 
That's a, that's a difference 12 months makes. We feel like we're better. And whether it's true or not, it's completely fucking irrelevant because that'll be what it'll be. That's completely out of our hands. That's the that's the, that's the difference. That's the levels we've, we've reached. And again, contextually, I think people forget that. But we always do. We always do this, by the way. This isn't, a, this isn't necessarily a modern symptom. In 2008, 2009, we drew with West Ham at Anfield, went top of the league and got booed off the pitch. Because some of our fans are fucking knobheads, and that's not to do with whether you're online, offline, or fucking scouts or Singaporean. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> People losing their heads over football will happen all day long. I actually just done a video. It's going out on my channel a bit in a bit more about this and the psychology behind all this stuff. But this is the thing: when you're a fanatic or something, when you're so emotionally invested, you're not in control. You, you, it's hard to control your emotions in the moment. The trick is not to try and control your emotions in the moment, but it is what you do with that and how and how you react after the fact when you've had a chance to calm down, when you've had a chance to have a deep breath. You know, those comments that you've put out when you've gone out and insulted people online, your fellow Liverpool fans, do you leave them there? Or do you delete them? Do you go and say sorry to people you've been been an arsehole to? Or do you leave it because you might think nothing of it, you're over it, but you've said something horrible, you might have said something really horrible that's really been hurtful to someone? Who's, who's actually only just being nice or is actually trying to do a, a good thing or spread a positive thing. So I think people need to be a little, little bit more mindful in and of themselves and how they react to these things, not necessarily in the moment because that, you know, you know, you and I, you're a, you're a, you're more, you're an in the moment kind of guy and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm the kind of opposite. That's who you are. I wouldn't turn you and go, stop being, you can't, can't. switch, take, turn a switch off genetically inside you that makes you a different person. Not embrace who you are, but... You know, in the cold light of day, we all need to take a big deep breath. I think around this and enjoy the enjoy what we've achieved so far. Um, Bournemouth up next, then. Um, but before we do the around the league podcast recorded this week, very Woo-hoo! special guest Barry Cash from Toffee TV was in chatting about Everton's plights. Um, which look, Schadenfreude. I've gone on a lot about this, getting the misery from other, getting happiness from other people's misery. I'm not, I'm not mad on it, but I do like it at times. Uh, so yeah, if you need a little bit of a, a, a lift, it could be worse. You could be an Evertonian. So is there a bit is there a bit of restlessness within the fans already with the manager? Yeah. Is there and does that not for you having set the example almost with Moyes for all those years of, you know, this is what happens when you put when you have faith in a manager and a philosophy and you, mm. you put everything into that and you you can get results out of that. To sit to from your perspective, to see the fan base now be waning on a manager after five, six, six months, yeah. does that how Who, do you feel about well for starters, what's your view on Silver? See, I like him, yeah. right? Because I think, and I don't know why I like him, if that makes sense. I don't know whether it's the idea of what if we sack him, what what do we? Yeah. Have, how often do you keep shopping and changing managers? And you waited so long for him as well. Went through yeah. all the well, debacle well, of. Well, I don't know whether managed. we were waiting so long for him. The the, the yeah, owner yeah. was waiting so long for him, right? But I don't know whether it's some people would cut him now and go, he's not done enough. Off you go. But how do you then ever build anything and who gets time? How do you judge whether you get time? Brilliant, yeah. Get on to the redmentv.com. The Around the League podcast happens every single week. The lads are really up in it of late. Obviously, they're talking to other clubs around the league, the, the, the wider stories that aren't necessarily Liverpool stuff that may have a knock-on effect down the line, and they're trying to get more and more guests into it. As I say, it starts off with Toffee TV this week, and there'll be a few more to come in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, sign up. First month is absolutely free, and then it's just £5 a month thereafter. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As well as a whole host of other amazing content. Chris, um, City will probably be top by the time we get to Bournemouth because Everton, as as we've heard, are fucking shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's about as standard as it's what I expect to happen, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, if what you, I if expect you go into that happen, game expecting otherwise, yeah. your odds, if you're a gambling person, you're gonna be odds are you're gonna be very, very disappointed. Yeah, you will be. And I think if you watch it, you'll be disappointed as well, to be honest with you. I think best thing to do is watch just Liverpool games. I think yeah. you know, I decided the Newcastle game, I didn't even watch a minute of it. And I knew I knew Newcastle were winning the game mm-hmm. and I still didn't turn on because the, you know what? When it's not my team, the results will be the results. Yeah. And I'm, and I'll find out about the same time as you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a minute later when I get a notification about it or something. Anyway, yeah. I can't get any enjoyment out of watching City be good against teams. It yeah. just makes my enjoyment of Liverpool worse. Well, almost. This, this week shows you exactly why you're dead right on that because I, I turned on for the last five minutes of City Newcastle and it was great. It was that. I had a good little laugh. But if that gone tits up at a roomy night with that. Um, and equally, what it's shown is that there's, a, there's just no point getting too excited about that stuff. Because even if Everton pulls something off, and by the way, it, it's so unlikely. Evertonians are so desperate to, co- to cost us a league title here that I think they're desperate for their side to actually lose this game. Not all of them, by the way, but you know, uh, they, I think they could happily. They would. A few of them would. Low key would take it. Def- would take a defeat. It would be dead Everton for that to not happen and for them to somehow pull out the results of their absolute season to help gift us the title. But the thing about all this is that, as we've just seen, those individual results, it doesn't matter too much. It's kind of what Jürgen Kopp was driving at the other week when he had, he was asked about the Kyle Walker tweeting about Liverpool not going seven points or whatever it was. And he said, like, I, don't, I try not to take too much about other teams' things because, again, it doesn't matter because we might lose the next game or they might win or then they, they might lose. It's nothing definitive, so... I. Take some smiles, enjoy the league table, enjoy that kind of stuff. Like, but there's just no point getting too riled no, up by I, it. All. Listen, there's a, there's still a long way to go, and if you watch a Man City games, you've got twice as many games to watch. Mm. It's going to extend it even more. <laughs> Honest <laughs> to goodness, yeah. like it's just it's 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 hard enough just being a Liverpool fan the and trick, dealing with it. Like the trick is probably just to be on Facebook constantly because if there's one thing that is a a, a a black hole for time, I've discovered. 
it's just checking things like just check check things that don't have football on. There's there's a good thing. Find some social media platforms that don't have football results on, and that's how you how you should pass the time very very quickly. Um, no, you know you, you you're right on that. The only time we should really give a fuck about a Man City result is if it's last game of the season and we need them to, something negative to happen to them to make to be a good thing for us. That's when you can go ape shit. That's when you can start jumping up and down and dancing and singing. That's when you, if you really want to, send loads of ha ha ha's via Twitter to people. Fuck that! Like last means. game of the season, I'm, I, if if they need to lose for us to win the title. I'll organise a fucking coach greeting it, whatever ground they're at. <laughs> we'll just go down on mass every Liverpool fan and scare the shit out of them again. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> um, yeah, we should just start doing it now, actually. Yeah, just start, just start harassing Man City. <laughs> get, get him round. Whoa, <laughs> we'll Whoa, just have a little sip. Oh, ooh, ooh. oh, mate, just watch them all flinch. Watch Pep flinch on the front row. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, it's gonna be because uh, it's gonna be a very stressful couple of weeks. I feel. Um, so batting that batting down the hatches a little bit on this one because because th- this game midweek is the rearranged fixture from the League Cup final, isn't it? So that when we play United forward. on the same day. So we although we'll play obviously we play first this weekend. We it won't feel that way because obviously because they they'll have they'll have the game in hand. So I think there's a lot of people who are it's we're going to get a false. The league table is going to lie a little bit for the next couple of weeks until. We have those settles almost. It's gonna be it's gonna be difficult, but in some instances, I think it might work in our favour in some ways. In that, I know that Manchester City will be top of the table and stuff like that. Maybe they'll maybe people will just start talking about them a little bit more. That's a possibility, isn't it? And then then it's back onto Liverpool of the underdog again because Manchester City are top. Um, now the game in hand, of course, being against United is going to be tough in the in the way that they're playing and how they're playing and how they're creating chances and stuff. But I'm not too I'm not too harsh because I don't think I've ever felt like there wouldn't be a lead change again mm-hmm. this season. And I think if you think Liverpool were going to steamroll the league and win by seven to ten points this season, you're probably feeling it worse than me. Yeah. Because I didn't expect that to happen. I expected Liverpool to drop points. I expect City to drop points. I expect one to go ahead of the other and then another. T- and it really is going to be down Do to the last it's a generational games? thing? Like, all the oldies who used to lead titles are like, no, expect us to win this by seven points. Our generation is the generation that watched Liverpool win things in the hardest way possible. Yeah. That middle Premier League generation. And then there's a younger generation who've seen us Bottle everything, basically, and get close and then fuck it all up. So that maybe that's exp- that's where all these different the differences in matter. I you're dead right. I expect this to go to the fucking wire. If Liverpool don't win it in almost exactly the same way that City won it for the first Salah! time. Salah! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Diva Carigi with the with the assist. Um then I, then I, I don't I, I can only perceive that that's how Liverpool if we're going to win it. a title that's how we're going to win our first Premier League title exactly exactly with the most in the most horrendous stressful way and ultimately delirious way delirious way possible is there any uh, any ex Liverpool managers like a Roy Hodgson playing City towards the end like we could replicate the Blackburn thing possibly I know, you know it's, a, it's an interesting thing we could probably check that yeah go on him. No, no, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's um, yeah. I can't. I can't see this end being anything other than, than a massive stress. You, you, you're dead right in that in that regard. The good thing that we've kind of got going for us, uh, I say, 
Potentially, anyway, because all, all best defence in the potential. league, second best attack in the league, more points than everybody else. Other you know what I haven't even thought about. Does you know other than that? Um, if you wanted to get back into a situation where Liverpool are, you know, you wanted to get a get, pick a team, Bournemouth are from the clutch of teams that I, I, I wouldn't mind us playing at Anfield. You know, it's a, it's a it's a decent football inside coming to Anfield. Yeah, they might, even if they try and part the bus, you know that, that it's one of those things. It's not. I'd hate to have Man United at Anfield on the back of this, or I'd hate to have. Everton off the back of this or yeah I agree I think Bournemouth are one of those sides that we've done well against but then I actually thought West Ham was a good game for us yeah. off the back of the Leicester yeah, one true enough you know what I mean and, and Pellegrini and the way that we've handled them and the way that we've scored so many goals against West Ham the, the pressure does things to title races and I know the players say that you know they have to focus on each game, and they do, and they absolutely do focus on each and every a game. Damn sight better than we do, I imagine. A, a damn sight better they have to, otherwise they wouldn't be getting out of bed and going to training in the morning. They'd just be lying there looking at the ceiling, going, "Please, I hope City lose tonight." Yeah, um, eating cocoa pops. Yeah, in bed. <laughs> just shaking. Just all over <laughs> um, but I truly believe that the pressure does make a massive, massive difference in these yeah. run-ins and stuff. And you know, it's, it will be the team I believe who handle that pressure best. And I don't think both teams have handled it particularly well yeah. so far over the last month it's and a half. It's bullshit, this suggestion that like Liverpool are big, as you said earlier, are the big bottles and they're the big weakness and liability. Look, City are, will be favourites in that regard, you know, to handle the pressure. Not necessarily favourites for the league as it stands, because we are still on top. A Man City regression, Paul? Uh, I don't think we'll know that until we get back into the Champions they League. They can't get as many points as last season. Well, yeah, they, then yes, is the simple answer to <laughs> so that question. So are they bottling it, Paul? Maybe I don't think they are. No. Like, but I do think that they're going to get less points exactly. than last season. Yeah. I, what's going to be I don't interesting? Think Liverpool are bottling anything either at the moment. Other well, than you know, I do, you don't. If you think Liverpool are bottling it this season, you don't know what bottling it looks like. That's all I can all I can say. I've seen Liverpool bottle. I've seen Liverpool bottle it more times than I care to remember. Liverpool, and maybe we will, and I'll know it when it Liverpool happens. Liverpool have bottled it in the past. Loads. Liverpool yeah. bottled it against Crystal Palace in thirteen fourteen. Yeah. That's bottling it. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. That that is bottling it. We we haven't bottled it. We conceded a goal yeah. against Leicester, a goal against West Ham. It's hardly bottling it, yeah. is it? I mean, it happens in football. I'm hoping uh, something you were driving towards earlier. I think that the narrative spins towards Man City now because what they would in the the weekend Sky were billing the Everton game as if Liverpool lose or draw on a Monday night, Man City's chance to go. Top of the league to go ahead of them is the is the is the Wednesday game and that's fine to be expected they'll do it because again Everton are fucking shit but it'll get to the weekend and if we're then able to level it back up again by go by beating Bournemouth they play Chelsea on Sunday and then the narrative is on can Man City can Man City do it? Man City lost to Chelsea you know last time they played can they do can they do this can they do this? and that's that will be will be very very interesting to see how that happens because I, I, we could do with you right. I think we could maybe do just being slightly out of the spotlight you know what, for a few all, weeks. All it is is I think at the the last sort of two to three weeks has been ninety percent pressure on Liverpool, ten percent on Man City, and I think if they were to go level with us again, I think there'd be an even share of pressure or a much more close to close to medium. So fifty fifty pressure. Both teams back to win the title almost in some quarters. 60-40 maybe is probably better for us than 90-10. And, and, that's, and that's it. You know, just a, just somebody else talking about another side. Yeah. I kind of wouldn't mind people starting to talk about Tottenham a little bit as yeah. well. And yeah. I think they deserve to be spoken about. I, I, I hadn't looked at the league table. But I hadn't looked below second in the league for about six weeks, I don't think. Or at least a month. And I was like, Jesus Christ, prior to the, the last round of games, 
Spurs only two points behind Man City. I was like, oh, crank, you know, wow. I, I, I didn't realise it was quite as close as that. And that I remember was only, this was with Dal Kane. And, mm, and that was only like that was only another Man City defeat away from all of a sudden Spurs are in the ascendancy, having, as you, as you say, come through their really testing injury period, etc., etc. So it is, um, it is a, a very, very interesting one indeed. And hopefully it is one that... We can all, you know, all that it's all that it's together for. Um, questions then, Comrade Cowan. It was a Lewandowski, nineteen ninety six. Returning from warm weather in Dubai cause all these illnesses in the squad, and if so, should the manager be accountable for this? I'm not sure that's how illnesses work. I don't think sickness bugs come from changing. Unless they've been look, unless they've been literally gulping water out the tap, which if they have, then that's the fucking players' fault, not the not the management fault. Your mum mums always tell you when you go abroad, get bottled water. I'll do it, right? You have to. Yeah, you have to. Unless I'll take you your big coat just in case it's cold. Because <laughs> you, you know when the sun goes down, it feels dead cold pack in those the, warm places. Pack the coffee mates and the uh, and the cabbage fingers. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's right. Um, no, I, I said if so, should the manager be accountable for this now? Um, no, no. The problem is again, this is another one of those things, isn't it? Now, Chris, it's a story, internet, and we've just been, we've just been working on this story that it's good for Liverpool to have a little bit of a break, good to have a breather, good to rest and recuperate, and now the story is. We've lost rhythm. So maybe we needed to play games because we lost rhythm. We don't fucking... No one knows. But this is one of those situations where I look, I don't think you can account for it because you can't account for it in work. Someone just gets one of the sickness bugs. You get ill and you don't... Because you... Ill, sicknesses... I don't know where I'm going with this. Sicknesses can take like a week, two weeks, a month to gestate. So by the time you show symptoms, you actually contracted it. Long before, which means you've infected people, infecting people. There are for, some, for, uh, there are some instances of food poisoning where, which can take up to three months <laughs> to get ill. You know what I mean? So it could be absolutely anything. And think about it here. You know, there's there's five of us that are here every single day, and then we've got another few people who come in and help out and stuff. And if one of us goes down, generally over the next four weeks, we'll all go down at some point. Yeah. Now, there's only five of us who can possibly get ill in the first place. Now, it's always friggin' Tom, by the way. It's constantly <laughs> ill. <laughs> so it's I think, it's to be fair, I think Lauren took us all out in December. Yeah. 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 So, But what I'm trying to drive at is it's not just five people. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's 25, 30, 30, 30 players plus the same support staff and what have you, yeah. And and the chefs and the, uh, and everything else. And, and every, there's probably 100 people they interact with. And every get a meal. fucking fan who stops for a selfie. Yeah. Uh, Shakes uh, their uh, hand. Makes them hold the phone to take a selfie and they've got the snot all over it and all yeah. that kind of Even stuff. Even just with. shaking their hand. Yeah. I've been in the cop, not that many people wash their hands after they've been <laughs> for a week. Like, you know what I mean? And they're outside asking for a selfie afterwards. Yeah. It's yous. Yous. If you're outside the Hope Street, it's you probably who's <laughs> infected Virgil and Fabinho and, and Milner. So, um, and listen, we won't know whether the illness was caused by that but we can. I think we can guess that it was. Why does someone? Is it the manager's fault? <laughs> no. Why does someone have to be to blame for everything? <laughs> like, why is it always some like 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 we need to fucking crucify someone at every given opportunity? Is this because everyone's gone off religion? I don't know. What you it know, is. Yeah, yeah, is this, there's no faith because, anymore. Yeah, exactly. People have gone off religion. I'm not mad on religion, but there is a degree to which having a, a code and all that kind of thing is is a very good. I get ill and I kick off on my white blood cells for not doing that good <laughs> enough job. <laughs> Gobshite! Fucking hell, I Replicate. <laughs> <laughs> Can you handle this, lads? 
Because the other is that neck and neck and Asian and fucking vitamin C tablets, like, do your job, boys, reinforcements. Um, yeah. <laughs> that Navi lads, <laughs> good AK to eight. Is Twitter worth keeping with so much negativity on it? Genuine question. My first reaction once we lost that game last night was to take a screenshot of my phone with trying to uninstall Twitter and put it out on Twitter because I felt like I felt like that there was nothing. I've had, to be fair, I've had a lot of really nice comments uh, by and large, and there's a lot of people. I think because it really, it causes a reaction. I think you get a lot of negativity, and then you get the super positives react and combust in the middle, and there's just fucking magnesium fuck, everywhere, shite everywhere. Um, I, if I, and we've had this conversation in life in general. If I could get away with not having social accounts, particularly at the moment, particularly this week, like if this was, if we had this run and this this furore off now. When we first started, in the first year of Red Men, I wouldn't have done a video after the game. There was times in that first year when I just, if we like, we drew it Bolton or something, I'd just be like, fuck it, fucking who cares? And we had that in the first couple of years until we properly professionalised, and this is one of them weeks where I probably would have just swerved everything and gone on a total media blackout, except, hi, hello everyone, this is what we do now. Uh, so, you know, yeah, if, if you've got the ability to delete Twitter and you think it'll help, yeah, I, I mean, I think you know, I, I absolutely hate Twitter, um, and I hate Facebook. I like Instagram. I've talked about the reasons why before on this podcast and stuff. The highs on Twitter are really good as well, hmm. you know, and that's what you keep going back for as well, isn't it? And all those amazing videos of people falling over on ice last week. Oh, brilliant! There was one. Did you see the one? It was like I think some man clads in Newcastle, and they just stood by a slippery spot by stairs, and they must have been there all night, and they got about fifteen people stacking it, and they were just killing themselves. But the, the ones at Glasgow. Have you seen the ones at Glasgow where there's like a, a mud puddle, and there's just loads of people. Stuck around and a gap for people to come through and most people are walking through and they just absolutely stack it you'd love it but then you get the one fella who's just running through Glasgow for no reason like just going boom so funny uh, but regardless the, the highs on Twitter are really really good at the same time like you know what I mean yeah. and it, it, listen it, I try not to do things that make me feel down yeah. that's why I don't really watch the news you know what I mean and um that's interesting. Uh, that's why I don't really watch the news. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll I, I'll read about the news that I care about, yeah. but finding out about some load of people who've just died. Oh yeah. I've got, like, I've got I've got my mum to share those stories right. on Facebook for yeah, me. You're right, um, <laughs> Jason Munko. Oh, we've done this question. But so definitely don't tweet anything half positive or without the red tinted glasses at half time of a game of football. If <sighs> if the you, you, I think what you have to do is. You have to you have to dip your toe in the water. Fe- see, just feel what it's like rather than just opening your phone up and tweeting something and and hoping that uh, rather than tweeting, but you actually you. think it's best to find out if it's good to think that or not. I must admit, I, I've, is, del- I've deleted so many tweets Twitter because I just can't be ass. It's fucking AIDS, Twitter, mate. It's just it's gotten worse. It never used to be like this, but now it's just the point where you cannot tweet a single thing without somebody getting affronted by it and taking umbrage with it and, and having a and argue. you can't say something positive because there's someone who thinks it's shit and you can't say something negative because there's people who think you're a fucking dickhead for saying that I mean I try not to post too many negative things in general because I think the world's got enough of that going on already hasn't it to be honest like but you know to put when you put but it's when you post something positive and like say I, re- I really love this film and someone goes thought it was shit well Where's the, where's the, what did you, that's not, what, what is that? That's not like having a conversation with people. Like, I liked it, but I didn't like the portrayal of this character. Is it, is, you know, that's, that's a, that's a way to have a conversation, but I hate, I hate the hard and fast 
this is my opinion and it's intractable and it can't possibly be judged. And people do that. People have, have developed that callous in how they, how they use social but there's media a, there's a way so that people can't come back to yeah, them. A, but that, that winds people up even more. No, the, I, you know what I found about it is that I haven't got this skill set, but I've noticed that a lot of people do have it. They will phrase a tweet in a way that it's boxed off. You know what I mean? So there's, so there's no right to reply on any yeah. of it, you know what I mean? And Don't at me is the fucking worst example yeah, of that. Like, it's just like, what are you talking about? Like, you're just being a bit of a tit, to yeah. be honest with you and stuff. And after a while, just go through and follow the people that don't make you like yeah, better. Yeah, I've started, I've started to realise, because like, you get things in your time, now it recommends, because this is the problem with it. You don't just get who you follow. You get who your other people who you follow follow. So you get and like likes. people come in and, you, and they, so someone like you get they like they've done this and they like this post or they follow this. They got some mank accounts because someone I follow follows them and I was like, well, I have to now go and mute this account that I've got no interest in whatsoever. But that's the problem with it all. It all it's the big chain and melting pot of shit that you don't want in your life being shoved into your face because Twitter is fucking AIDS, um, and we need to we need to cure AIDS. Um, delete AIDS delete, delete Twitter delete AIDS let's not delete Twitter let's delete AIDS and then by proxy delete Twitter um, right the Q&A is coming up on the website straight following this um, there's a little bit of heaviness which I think talks about we've got a little bit about the desperation um, of the fans and what have you and how we're handling this stuff a little bit of a follow on from this but then we're doing our Prem 11 using one sub from each team in the Premier League we can have we got any crisps have we got any crisps do you need some crisps yeah I'm more I mean, you are very Moorish, Chris. But do you want some crisps? I want, I want, I want it. Yeah, I want to eat. You opened, you unleashed something by having the crisps for the footy yesterday. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, that that was going down a pack of those tums. Uh, favorite member of Friends. Uh, if you had to be a main part in one in a horror movie, who would you most likely survive from? That didn't make sense, but you know what I mean. Um, how would we redesign Anfield? Who does the stinky shits in the office? Brilliant. Um, and where people should go on the honeymoons, etc., etc. Get over to redmentv.com, sign up. More of the daft shit covered to your heart's content. If you want to know more about us, that's the place to do it. If you don't, whatevs, man. Get on with it. Get on, crack on with the job of deleting Twitter. If you don't do it and you want more good, sensible people to follow, at Mr. Blood Red, at the Paul Machin. Subscribe to this channel. Subscribe to redmentv.com. Have a fabulous week. Uh, come on, the F. <laughs>